Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith, coming to you from Colorado Springs. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Warren and I bring you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, Ohio's Cedarville University fires a professor for alleged sexual abuse, abuse that the school has known about for years. Also on today's program, Alliance Defending Freedom, the Beckett Fund, and other religious liberty law firms are finding the current COVID crisis to be a busy time indeed. Plus, if you can't go on a missions trip, what about a virtual mission trip? All that and a lot more on today's edition of the Ministry Watch podcast. We begin today with an announcement of cuts at the Southern Baptist Church's publishing arm, Lifeway, and these cuts are related to the COVID crisis. Yeah, Lifeway Christian Resources, the publishing entity of the Southern Baptist Convention, has announced that it will cut roughly 10% of its operating budget through staff reductions, a hiring freeze, and salary cuts. The move comes after five consecutive weeks of steep revenue decline in the wake of the coronavirus and the expectation that sales may not rebound anytime soon. The Nashville-based Christian publisher said revenue is down 24% compared with the same period last year. This is largely due to a sharp drop in bulk orders from churches for resources such as Sunday school curricula, Bible study materials, and vacation Bible school curricula. And it's not clear yet if SBC churches or other churches that buy Lifeway materials will hold VBS or camp programming this year. LifeWay's budget for the fiscal year is $281 million. It said it planned to cut between $25 million and $30 million from its budget. LifeWay said members of its executive leadership team will give up one month's salary beginning in May. Uh, It did not say, though, how it would achieve a staff reduction, whether through layoffs or by not filling existing positions. Earlier this month, LifeWay announced it was exploring the sale of its Ridgecrest Conference Center and Summer Camps, which is located about 18 miles east of Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, the book publishing industry is rapidly changing. Uh, Last year, Lifeway closed its entire retail chain of 170 Christian bookstores, and other Christian retailers have closed stores in recent years as well. The United Methodist Church has closed all of its Cokesbury stores, uh, and the Family Christian Stores closed all of its stores in 2017. Now, our next story comes from the National Religious Broadcasters. Warren, there's a big move there, too. Yeah, the chairman of the board of the National Religious Broadcasters, or the NRB, as I'm fond of calling it, is named Janet Parshall, and she resigned on Wednesday, uh, according to an email that was acquired by journalist Julie Royce, who often contributes to Ministry Watch. The email sent to NRB members on Wednesday morning was written by acting board chair Ron Harris. His statement called Parshall's resignation an unexpected announcement and gave no reason for her departure, which he said was effective immediately. Parshall's husband, Craig Parshall, also resigned from his role as the NRB's general counsel. The NRB is considered the largest association of evangelical broadcasters. 
Though declining membership numbers and financial losses left the organization teetering on the edge of bankruptcy in recent years. Yeah, Partial, who is also the host of Moody Radio's In the Market radio program, was elected chairman in February of 2019. So she's been in that role for only a little more than a year. She did, though, help raise about $750,000 from NRB members to help alleviate, Natasha, that financial crisis that you just talked about. Still, the organization is far from what it once was with attendance at its annual conference earlier this year. And by the way, I should say that annual conference is a major source of revenue was barely half of the number that attended that conference just three years ago. Now, Warren, before we take our break, you've got an update of a story that you first brought to us last week. Yeah, it's an initiative that seeks to help financially small and struggling churches in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, They've raised more than $400,000 and received over 1,000 applications for funding. Uh, Through Churches Helping Churches Initiative, a relief fund was set up to provide $3,000 grants to churches that are at risk of closing due to a decrease in financial giving during the pandemic. We told you about the program last week, we said that it had raised about a third of its money. Now it's raised over $400,000. So it's nearly to its goal. The initiative is being led, by the way, by the AND campaign. You told us last week that organizers hope to raise at least $500,000. So they're getting really close to that goal. Yeah, they are, but they're going to keep the fund open uh, through the month of May and maybe even exceed that $500,000 number. Um, In fact, they're so close to raising the money that they decided to go ahead and open up the application process. As I said, about a thousand applications have been received so far, and they've already given away more than a hundred grants. Warren, we have to take a break, but when we return, we'll find out how the COVID crisis has hit Christian ministries in the evangelical Mecca, Colorado Springs. I'm Natasha Smith. And I'm Warren Smith. And we'll be back after a short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Weekly Podcast. Up next is the story I promised before the break, the story of how the COVID crisis has affected Christian ministries in my adopted hometown, Colorado Springs. Well, Natasha, I don't have to tell you that Colorado Springs is sometimes considered the center of the religious nonprofit world. For those of you who don't know Colorado Springs, it's a mid-sized city in the shadow of Pikes Peak, about an hour south of Denver. But it's the home of thousands of churches and Christian ministries. In fact, the city's religious nonprofits receive more than $1.75 billion a year from donors, and they provide a range of services, programs, and products that literally reach all around the world. 
But the coronavirus pandemic has confronted these ministries with an unprecedented triple whammy, you might say, declining donations, unexpected expenses related to sanitation and remaking the workplaces for remote employees, and, of course, the challenges of continuing to deliver the services that they're in business for in the first place. And now some of those services are more needed than ever. The largest ministry here in town, uh, and one of the largest in the entire nation, is Compassion International. Yeah, Compassion helps more than 2 million children around the world with a budget approaching a billion dollars, 960 million to be exact. But both its donations and its ability to reach children have been hampered by the virus. Uh, Our reporter, Steve Raby, reached out to a number of ministries, including Compassion, and he spoke with Tim Glenn, who's a spokesman for Compassion. Uh, Tim Glenn said that the virus arrived just as Compassion was ramping up its major spring fundraising activities. He said that spring is typically a very busy time for Compassion, with our Compassion Sunday events taking place around the country. Plus, Christian artists, Christian musicians go on their spring tours, and usually Compassion is a sponsor of those tours. It's a major way, by the way, that Compassion gets new child sponsorships is using Christian artists. Uh, We were working to reschedule as many events as possible, Tim Glenn said, but he estimates that there could be as many as 70,000 children that will not be sponsored this spring as a result of the hundreds of events that have been canceled or postponed. Now, another huge ministry here in the Springs is Focus on the Family. Yeah, Focus on the Family reports that while face-to-face programs have been hurt, its overall engagement with supporters seems to have increased. Paul Batura is a spokesman for Focus, and he said that uh, the ministry has had to reschedule its multi-city pro-life event called Alive 2020, which was originally scheduled for May the 9th. Uh, Marriage counseling programs through its Hope Restored ministry ministry have also been suspended. But, Batura said, web traffic at the Focus on the Family websites is way up. Batura also said something that I think should be a best practice for all Christian ministries, Natasha. He said that Focus already had in place a disaster recovery plan. And he said a lot of what they're doing now is just simply implementing what they had long been planning for. Now, Focus's daily broadcast, which is heard by 6.8 million people every week, has hosted nearly 20 COVID-19-related guests, including Dr. Francis Collins of the National Institutes of Health and the Surgeon General, Dr. Jerome Adams. Warren, shifting gears here just a little bit, we're approaching summer camp season. What about Christian summer camps? Are they going to be affected? Oh, yeah, they're definitely going to be affected. Um, The youth ministry, Young Life, was anticipating between 60 and 70,000 kids uh, to attend one of its 22 U.S. camp properties uh, this summer. But on April 9th, the ministry uh, announced that it was suspending any U.S. ministry activity involving person-to-person contact out of what it called an abundance of caution and care for our staff as well as kids and their families. The ministry which has a budget of about $427 million, again, another one of those Colorado Springs-based ministries, considers camping one of its premier experiences for young people. And though camps have been suspended for now, uh, they're still hoping that they might start later in the year, and they said that they'll make further announcements within the next week or two. 
Now, what about other Christian camps? What's the impact there? Well, the Christian Camp and Conference Association, again, Natasha, one of those ministries based in Colorado Springs, has 870 member camps and conference centers. Uh, Those member camps host more than 5 million people every year. Greg Hunter is the president of the organization, and he said that many camps are taking a wait-and-see approach, encouraging parents to sign their kids up for camp for now, but knowing that adjustments could need to be made. Now, will this be the end of some of these camps? Well, it certainly could be. Hunter uh, said that some camps were financially prepared for a disaster, but others not so much. He said, it's heartbreaking for me to think of any camp closing for the summer, let alone permanently. And of course, Many are concerned about surviving this crisis, uh, just as any local business would. Summit Ministries brings about 1,200 people a year to its 12-day student conferences, and it is headquartered in Manitou Springs, just outside of Colorado Springs. The first of its seven sessions was scheduled to begin on May 17, but it's already been canceled. They're sort of up in the air about whether they're going to have to cancel the later sessions. Yeah, Warren, I have to say this announcement was kind of sad for me personally because I used to work at their summer programs, and I know how deeply impactful this camp is to so many young people. And I mean, I honestly can say that my entire life trajectory was shifted after being a student there back in 2007, but COVID hasn't stopped the summit Uh, ministry altogether. And I understand that they've come up with some creative alternatives for their summer camp. That's right. You know, I think, Natasha, like your experiences, like many people's experiences, I mean, it's a life-changing event to go up there. And uh, I've heard many, many stories like that. But Summit, as you said, is getting creative uh, in order to reach people who may not be able to attend the sessions in person. The ministry has launched what it calls Summit Virtual, an online conference training students in biblical worldview. That's awesome. Now, what about Christian schools? Well, the Association of Christian Schools International, and by the way, Natasha, did I mention they're based in Colorado Springs, (laughs) (laughs) serves nearly 24,000 schools all around the world in 100 countries. Communications Director Larry Lincoln said that 20,000 of those 24,000 schools have closed, with many transitioning to online or distance learning. Warren, we're going to shift gears in our conversation and talk about something that is not COVID-related, and that is the firing of a professor at Cedarville University. Yeah, Cedarville University is perhaps one of the best-known Christian colleges in the country. It's a Baptist school located in Ohio, and it fired a professor for past alleged misconduct that reportedly involved wronging, and I'm quoting here, another person in a morally serious way using video and technology. That's the statement from uh, Cedarville itself. Anthony Moore is the professor's name. His employment was terminated uh, on Thursday, April 23rd, so just last week. Now, that's disturbing, but I understand that the more you know about the situation, the more disturbing it gets. 
Yeah, it's pretty convoluted, but I think you've got to say that this is uh, this wrongdoing does involve more than just uh, Anthony Moore, the professor that got fired. Even though, let's make no mistake, uh, he it did commit a, a wrong here. Uh, but I think what's even more disturbing is that Anthony Moore had previously been fired from his position as a campus pastor at the Village Church, which is a large church in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And when the president of Cedarville Thomas White hired him. He knew all about that, but he hired him anyway. Wait, so you're you're going to have to back up and explain this from the beginning. Well, to make a very long story short, Anthony Moore had been a graduate student at Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary when Thomas White, the man who's now president at Cedarville, was on the faculty there. When Moore graduated, he went onto the staff at the Village Church, and Thomas White became president at Cedarville. That's how they knew each other. But when Moore was at the Village Church, he allegedly confessed to same-sex attractions and videotaping a man taking a shower. That's what got him fired from the Village Church. Thomas White, perhaps out of good intentions, trying to help an old student, then hired Moore at Cedarville. Well, it's hard to believe that Cedarville's board would go along with something like this. Yeah, Thomas White said that he laid out a five-year plan for Anthony Moore's restoration and that other members of Cedarville's leadership, including the board, signed off on the plan. But now people are saying that neither Moore nor White were completely forthcoming. And even if they were, it turns out that Moore didn't follow the plan. He ended up teaching students during his first year of restoration, which was something that the plan prohibited, and he went on overnight trips with the men's basketball team, which was also prohibited by the plan. President White now says that he regrets his attempt at restoration. So Anthony Moore was fired. Will Thomas White, the president of Cedarville University, face any consequences? Well, as of today, Natasha, when you and I are recording this on Thursday afternoon, White is still the president of Cedarville University. However, also today, blogger Julie Royce, who helped to break this story, published yet another story that further calls the judgment of President Thomas White into question. So it's not clear to me what will happen to White, but you can be sure that we'll keep you posted. Warren, we're going to take another quick break, but when we return, mission trips are out of the question during this time of mandatory stay-at-home orders. But what about virtual mission trips? We'll hear about a church that is pioneering this new idea. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, before the break, we talked about Cedarville University 
but you posted a story this week on the Ministry Watch website that was a deep dive into the condition of Christian colleges generally. And for some of those colleges, it is not good. No, it's not. Uh, To quote a CNN article, higher education is COVID-19 positive, and in the parlance of triage, the patient needs emergent care. I think everyone knows that all colleges, not just Christian colleges, have had to make some adjustments. Spring classes have been canceled at all schools, and there's been a massive switch to online classes. What have been some of the other impacts? Well, there have actually been quite a lot. I think you rightly identified some of the major impacts, but people don't often think of recruiting during this time of year. But that's been a huge problem for colleges and, by the way, for high school seniors as well. Recruiting has essentially had to grind to a halt. And even where the recruiting process is able to continue, the colleges have not been able to tell students, prospective students, for sure that they'll be holding classes even in the fall. So that's caused a lot of students to be shy about committing and paying those all-important deposits to reserve a spot. Summer school revenue for colleges is also going to take a huge hit. And you might remember that earlier in the program, Natasha, we talked about how summer camps are shutting down. Well, a lot of colleges are used as the campus for summer camps. Summit Ministries, which we talked about, an organization called Teen Pact, which operates in more than 35 states, uses college campuses for their summer programs. That's another revenue hit for these colleges. None of this sounds good, but is it possible that there will be a quick recovery once things return to normal? Well, the problem is that the new normal is likely to look really different from the old normal. Uh, The rapidly rising cost of a college education was already getting scrutiny from consumers. And by consumers, I mean students and their parents. And demographics are not on the side of the colleges. There are fewer and fewer kids now that are college-aged than there were a generation ago. Colleges are chasing kids with financial aid and other perks, and that has further deteriorated the financial position of a lot of colleges. In fact, in mid-March, Moody's Investment Service downgraded the higher education sector of the economy from stable to negative. And Moody's said that nearly a third of America's public and private universities are already operating at a deficit, and this was before the COVID crisis. Now, what about Christian schools in particular? Are there any that are in trouble? Yeah, there are. Forbes magazine assessed the strengths and weaknesses of about 900 uh, American private colleges, grading them on a scale of A-plus down to D. Uh, It gave C's and D's to 675 of those schools, so that was more than two-thirds of the schools. Uh, Dozens of Christian colleges earned a D grade from Forbes, and those included some pretty well-known schools like Anderson University in Indiana, Judson University, which is in the Chicago suburbs, Azusa Pacific University, which has been around for more than 100 years and is considered to be one of the birthplaces of Pentecostalism in this country, Eastern University, and Spring Arbor University, uh, all schools, Christian colleges that got a D from Forbes magazine. And a couple of Christian colleges have recently shut down. Yeah, we've been reporting on this for weeks. Uh, Nebraska Christian College uh, will close at the end of the semester. Uh, We previously announced the closing of Concordia University in Portland, which is a Lutheran college. 
Uh, Cincinnati Christian University announced that it was closing its academic programs, and it announced that last fall. If the coronavirus is a big trouble for Christian colleges, it's been boom time for religious liberty law firms. Yeah, states that are grappling with when and how to reopen amidst the pandemic are coming face-to-face with religious liberty issues. Uh, Religious liberty law firms have taken a leading role in representing churches and Christian nonprofits during this time. There have been at least a dozen state or federal lawsuits filed since the coronavirus outbreak started that have focused partly or fully on freedom to worship in person. First Liberty Institute, which is run by Kelly Shackelford, uh, has represented churches challenging, for example, drive-in service limits that were put in place in Kentucky and Mississippi. Another nonprofit that's taken on multiple religious freedom cases during this pandemic is the Alliance Defending Freedom, also has targeted restrictions on drive-in worship. Yeah, ADF notched two victories in one week this month on behalf of churches that it represented. Uh, The mayors of Greenville, Mississippi and Chattanooga, Tennessee eased restrictions on drive-in services after Alliance Defending Freedom stepped in. Finally, Warren, I'd like to close with an upbeat note, and I think I found one in the story of virtual mission trips. Yeah, Natasha, this is a great story out of Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, uh, At first, the members of that church, First Baptist of Hendersonville, were a little apprehensive that their church was going to lead a missions trip to New York City in the middle of the COVID crisis. But they sort of calmed down a little bit when they realized that it would be its first virtual mission trip. The virtual meeting allowed the Tennessee church to support Christian workers that they had been supporting on the ground in New York, which of course is one of the COVID hotspots, without putting themselves or others at risk. It was also far less expensive, of course, than flying a large group to New York. And some church leaders who've been critical of mission trips in the past think that inadvertently, perhaps, the COVID crisis might be allowing us to pioneer a new way of doing mission familiarization trips. We don't actually have to spend a lot of money to go to faraway countries. Maybe we can do some of the early familiarization virtually and send some of that money to the missionaries who are already on the ground there. And I understand that this Tennessee church is not alone. That's right. Christianity Today has reported that crew, which is mostly focused on college campuses around the country, is also planning virtual mission trips. And by the way, I should mention that First Baptist of Hendersonville is planning another missions trip. The first one was so successful, that one will be on May the 4th. If you'd like to read more about the stories we discussed on today's program, just go to ministrywatch.com and you'll find most of these stories right on the front page. If they're not there, or if you want to dig around in the Ministry Watch archives for hundreds of articles and other great resources, use the search engine that you can find on the front page to find what you're looking for. Yeah. Also, before we go, I want to mention that we've seen a significant growth in the number of people listening to this very podcast in the last few weeks. So I know we have some new listeners and I want to say welcome and thank you. Uh, If you like what you've heard today, I hope you'll be with us each and every week, and I hope you'll tell a friend. And by the way, don't forget to rate us using your podcast app. It's absolutely free. doesn't cost you a dime to rate us. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it really does help us a lot. 
The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Sedith. Writers who contributed to today's program include Christina Darnell, Sean Hendricks, Steve Raby, and Warren Smith. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs. And I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. May God bless you.